Hey everybody, it's Swetha, and so I have a story about Medusa and how she has been showing up in my life and the connections that I've been making around the message that I feel she's sending me. So just to kind of give you a little bit of background, um, in October of last year, this is when she first showed up. I, it was around Halloween and my son and I walked into a costume shop in Santa Cruz, California, and we both had picked up a Medusa hat when we were kind of just trying on different costumes and I didn't think much of it. But right after that, I went back to Cafe Gratitude where we had dinner to get a refill um, of hot water for my tea and the guy was wearing a Medusa shirt. So I noticed that I'm very much into synchronicity and I believe that when things show up two, three times, it's, it's a message from our soul, uh, trying to kind of connect us to something. So I just kind of parked it in the side of my mind. Then shortly after that, I realized something that in the beginning of the year, I had done a seed ritual, which is essentially a process of really connecting to what wants to be birthed through you during the year, as opposed to setting up your own kind of ego goals of I want to lose weight or I want to make money, etc. Um, it's really a process of co-creation. And in this seed ritual that I did this year, I had three images come to me. So last year I had three words come to me, but I kind of feel like part of my evolution is um, connecting more into the world of symbols. And so the three images that came up were an apple, a golden pencil, and like wild hair. And so this is October, this is pretty far into the year, and the apple and the golden pencil made sense at this point. I was invited to write a story for an anthology that was being published. And so that to me was kind of the, the golden pencil. And the apple um, had a lot to do with just stepping out as, and teaching what I want to teach and the way I want to teach it. I was a professor of pharmacy for 10 years. And after having, having kind of a huge transformative awakening journey after the birth of my son, I really connected into this repressed creativity and my inner mystic. And uh, over the last four or five years, she's come out pretty strong, but I still kind of had one foot in my old way of being where, um, you know, just kind of needing to teach or to express in the system in the way that you're supposed to um, from a, uh, just from my background of being a professor. So, you know, publishing certain ways and, and, um, it doesn't matter. Anyways. <laughs> so going back to the wild hair, I just, that was kind of on the, on the side burner. didn't really have much clarity on what that message was. However, I did start to, um, connect more to my expression with beauty and fashion and, um, and I had a photo shoot done where my hair was very kind of wavy and whatnot but it wasn't super, super duper clear. And until this Medusa started coming up and, you know, I associate Medusa the way, you know, that society portrays her as kind of like this monster. 
don't really have a good, I didn't have like a very good connection to her. So to me, it was kind of like, well, why is she wanting to connect with me? Why is that energy wanting to connect with me? It feels pretty scary. And so I was a little bit resistant to it. And then I, um, I associate her again with like the word monster. So I did some exploration and I found a blog from um, a woman that, you know, considers herself a priestess and a healer. And it was a very intense, deep blog. But essentially the message was that um, there's much more to Medusa's story and that we don't have the full story. And I am going to try to share my perspective, um, but I will completely butcher the history. (laughs) So here goes. You know, apparently the folklore goes that Medusa was um, supposed to be a celibate goddess and again excuse me if I'm using the wrong words I'm not an expert on mythology by any means and um, she broke that and that is one of the kind of like the punishments was that her you know she turned into this really scary (laughs) snake headed woman that when you looked at her people turned into stone but according to what I was reading there was just a much bigger story in that um, Medusa was part of a temple of priestesses, and I believe with Athena, and that she was very beautiful. And she did have this aspect of her, which I'm really interested in because I believe that as as a woman, I really believe that we have many different faces. We're not just like sweet and nice and good girls or you know, moms or wives or, you know, employees. We play multiple, multiple roles. It's one of our gifts. And sometimes only parts of us get to be expressed or we kind of get uh, siloed into categories. But anyway, she did have this um, aspect of her, this, you know, snake-headed, fierce um, wrath of a woman. And there was a purpose for it. The purpose was to protect her sisters. So that uh, when other, you know, when women were being, uh, I guess, you know, at risk or in harm or treated not properly, that she would come out with that, um, that monstrous <laughs> aspect of her in form of protection for her sisters. And I can really relate to this because I remember a couple of different stories of women being... Um, mistreated by men and them not even noticing and the the men around us not protecting these women you know i had one time at a concert there was a uh, my friend and i snuck down to the front and a gross older indian guy just touched my friend's breast and she didn't even notice it and i like hit him and then um, many 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 years later went on vacation to india and i took a bunch of friends and one of my friends went into the water and this was like a public beach where, you know, women don't wear bathing suits, but foreigners, you know, don't kind of, um, I guess, fall under those constrictions. And so she went into the water and all of these gross Indian guys in underwear were like pretending to be thrown by the waves just to touch her. And she was kind of not, she wasn't aware of it and neither were any of the men. 
And I guess it's because they don't understand my culture the way I do and kind of I've had experience with kind of gross older Indian men. And I literally went into the water and slapped every single one of those guys. And so I guess I have that kind of fierce, protective Medusa in me, (laughs) which is a great thing. But going back to the story, she was tricked and she was raped by Poseidon, I believe. And then Athena was given a potion that made her kind of not see the truth. And basically, Medusa was victimized and um, she had this very bad, got this very bad reputation and she was betrayed. And this blog was this woman who was connecting to Medusa and feeling that pain and feeling that, um, really feeling Medusa's pain of being misunderstood, which is, I think, something I, many of us women can probably relate to. And um, it just really... It was interesting information when I first read this, but I didn't quite completely still understand what the message was for me until until I was uh, on a call with two women. I do this monthly thing called a sister mind where we basically just share in a very structured format, um, what's what we need support with, what we're celebrating in our lives, and what we are wanting to create. And to me, this is a practice of really healing the sisterhood wound. I believe that when, when women come together, it's super powerful. And I believe that it threatens patriarchy. And it's one of the reasons why there is um, so much you know, that's why media is um, trying to create this kind of uh, comparison between women of, you know, being so skinny and, and all the images and whatnot of comparison. It's to create, keep us apart because um, when women come together, it's really, again, very, very powerful. And I have my own experiences with jealousy and being bullied and being really afraid of being bright and shiny around other women and I think a lot of a lot of us experience this dimming my light because I don't want to get too much attention which I think is a lot of the Medusa story right she was this beautiful woman and she turned this man on and he couldn't control himself and so he raped her and then she was the one that was punished for it which is something that is very similar that happens in my country of India and in that whole region that if a woman gets raped she is shamed for being a slut. I mean, that's just, it's, this is like, that's reality. It's not even a folklore. It's true. And so how do we hold this um, innate, amazing sensual energy that to me is not just about sex, but about creativity and about our just deep divine connection of just richness (laughs) And um, feel safe in that. I don't really feel like we have we we have that ability to do that. And to me, that's one of the reasons why I feel like so many women are feeling lost and disconnected and experience depression and anxiety because they can't fully express themselves. It's just not safe to do it. And um, what we need is not available to us to me, which is sisterhood, support, 
because of, again, our past experiences and all of the, um, everything that tries to create separation amongst us. So I'm working very hard to heal that within myself. And um, also in the work I do, I hold spaces for women in community to, to mend that experience of broken sisterhood. And so anyways, I was telling my sisters about this whole thing with Medusa and lo and behold, <laughs> like I think the next day I was, um, we usually tend to meet around the new moon or the full moon, full moon, which is also very, the lunar calendar, the lunar phases is very much feminine energy. And so new intentions are often really supported during the new moon and during the full moon, it's really about releasing and letting go. And I have started this practice of where I, you know, really pay attention to my astrology as well. So that when I focus on what I'm, what intentions I'm setting or what I'm letting go, I pay attention to where my sign is relative to the moon. And I am not a moon expert nor an astrology expert, but there's this book called Moonology, which makes it very easy to do. And once you kind of follow a table, you know your sign, you know what house it is in, and you know kind of the themes. And so in this book, Monology, they also break it up into, you know, what kind of intentions to set, what prayer, what angels to ask, what goddesses to lean on, what essential oils to use, what mantras will support you. I mean, it's quite comprehensive. It's really great. And so when I got to the goddess section, boy, was I in for a shock. My goddess was none other than Medusa. And the message um, was really profound. It had a lot to do with um, the sun and shining, shining your light and not being um, fearful of jealousy which again, as I was saying, was, um, is something that was, is kind of like in the background of because of my past experiences. And so I was just really blown away by that and felt very, very, very grateful. And since then, um, it's really amazing because what happened was that I, uh, found a business partner, um, to do my work because one of the things is that I, you know, I'm a mom, I married, my family means a lot to me, free time and leisure time and traveling also means a lot to me. At the same token, I have this big desire and I know I have this huge mission in the world. And so how do I manage and balance all of that was always something that felt like a conflict within me. And through my journey, of burnout, not once, but twice of trying to really manage it all and do it all on my own. Um, I started to realize that this sisterhood thing is bigger than just kind of having women to talk to, but actually collaborating with other women so that we can go farther while without having to sacrifice our well-being and our um, personal lives. And so I found this amazing, um, I'm not, I mean, I knew her, she was a friend of mine, but we decided to create, um, to, to combine our passions and talents and gifts and, um, 
it started off as just kind of like an idea and you know it's that was October of last year and today it's uh, March and we've already launched a business we've already run a six-week course called elevating and embodying the full feminine using um, storytelling and kundalini yoga and sisterhood and surrender and allowing in divine support and signs and synchronicity and it's just really been very magical and uh, so there's more to this story there's another piece that you know again connecting back to medusa so the other piece has to do with how i um woke up one day from a dream and I just had the word Fibonacci sequence in my mind and I don't know a lot about sacred geometry I don't know a lot about you know quantum mathematics and physics and all that kind of stuff I tried looking it up and it kind of really get a lot of information so it's like okay just kind of again in the back of my mind and then I go on a business retreat, which was a women's based nature business retreat. And the woman who was running the retreat, who happened to be my business coach, gave us all a gift. And it was an ammonite. And that is her logo on her website, which I hadn't even noticed. And then when I read the description of the ammonite, it, it looks like a spiral, it looks like a snail. Um, it talked about the Fibonacci sequence and I was just, again, blown away because one thing I also had, didn't share yet is that during Christmas, I had visited, um, an old, a, a friend of a friend and, um, the woman who introduced her, introduced us was a, uh, childhood friend of mine that I known since I was like 10 years old. And she happened to be visiting this mutual friend as well in, in Texas. We hadn't seen each other in years and years and years and years. And um, the way we reconnected, something magical had unfolded. I had shared with these women, you know, just very candidly and openly about the things that I was learning and the transformation I was having around the divine feminine and these two beautiful souls that are both uh, child therapists were very open to hearing what I had to share. And it meant a lot to me because I, one of my, um, deep missions is to really help bring children to help them not to lose this this connection to our authentic selves, and um, and I believe we won't need as much healing if we don't if we're nurtured to really own who we are. <laughs> and a big part of what's missing is the divine feminine expression. Um, I don't believe in just the divine feminine, but I really believe we need to heal divine masculine as well. Um, but just bringing back feminine expression into balance, I think, is the first kind of first, but there's also simultaneous steps. But anyways, I digress. Uh, on this trip, I did something that was kind of a little bit of a stretch for me, but I had a deck of um, oracle cards with me that I don't, it's not something that I seek, but um, this deck had, has come to me and it's a very powerful 
um, deck. It's from the 13 Moons Mystery School. And I have had, you know, experiences where I will ask the same question two times in a row and the same exact card will just keep popping up. And I also notice that there's a certain card that pops up over and over again as kind of like a theme for my year. And so I've just started to incorporate it intentionally and just kind of be like, what's my theme for the year? <laughs> and so these women were interested in having kind of like a, a little reading done. So I did a reading for both of them. And it was very interesting because it was the, the inquiry was what needs to let go and what's the new energy that wants to come in. And they both got the same card. <laughs> but before we sat down and did this reading, I saw a very clear image of a snail. And I even asked them, I followed up with them, and I said, does the snail mean anything to you? And they both said, no, it didn't. And when I looked up the snail, it was, you know, the sign of, like, death and rebirth, the cycle of death and rebirth. And again, I just kind of, like, put that in my side pocket, you know, kind of knowing at this point how my life unfolds is that um, there's a connection point between all of these things and, and in divine timing, it all starts to come together and then um, it goes deeper and, and it goes even deeper. And so it's like a spiral, essentially. <laughs> so when I um, read the description of the Ammonite, it talked about the death and rebirth. And so it was like very interesting. And then I um, was at the same token what was unfolding for me since that retreat since the beginning of the year is this deeper desire and connection for performance. And um, the concept of sacred theater has come to me, which is essentially, you know, there was this part of me that just feels so deeply devotional. And, but I just was in such conflict because I didn't see myself as a traditional quote-unquote healer. I don't see myself doing readings and oracle cards. And yes, I am, you know, offering this full feminine course, which is very much related to yoga and meditation. But there was a, a deeper thread for me. And, and I've discovered that it's sacred storytelling. And that connects this desire of I have of related to beauty and fashion and expression and improv and comedy and um, mysticism <laughs> and so it was just really profound to be able to learn that sacred theater is actually was intentionally um, when it was first created in Greece as an offering to the divine it wasn't performance but prayer performance And I discovered this idea of sacred theater and prayer formants from the woman who created the 13 Moons Mystery School, Ariel Spilsbury. And I was so touched by some videos that she freely has offered as a living library for her legacy of all of her teachings. And I was drawn to it at 2 o'clock in the morning, so you know it was that kind of soul calling. And... Um, I shared with her uh, a story of the just kind of like a full circle moment I was having um, and an experience that I will share for another podcast. And she was just so excited and she said, call me anytime. I love sacred theater. It is my passion and I would love to hear more about how it's showing up in your life. And so I did. And as I was sharing with her, I said to her, 
can you tell me a little bit about sacred geometry and the Ammonite? And she said um, that there were some videos in her living library about it, but she said one of the oracle cards in her deck has an Ammonite on it, has a spiral on it. And, um, and I was like, really, which one? And it was the card that was sitting on my altar um, for a reading that I had done for myself. And it was um, just, again, like, I can't plan those kind of synchronicities, but it was the embrace card. It was about embodiment and the fertile ground and, um, and which was my intention all of last year was embodied expression. And that is how beauty and fashion had come back into me, into my life, because I was so focused on my spiritual development that I was, you know, not grounded. And why I was not grounded was because I was not connecting to my desires, my desires of beauty and fashion and performance, because in my mind, those were kind of conflicting the you know devotion and sacredness which is one of my my main priorities and this area it seemed like it was in conflict but that was because of the way the industry has portrayed beauty and fashion and and acting and theater and and so that's not the true essence of it and part of i guess my role and maybe some of you listening to this is to bring the sacredness back to it through our own unique expression and um and that is what i'm doing it's amazing the opportunities that have unfolded since then i have a medicine theater class has come up for me which is about basically an improv class but it's all about prayer and sacredness and ceremony as well as it's not um about making fun of people which is what i had a real issue with when it comes to comedy um, or self-deprecation even. I am uh, hosting uh, an open sacred mic, uh, sacred, sorry, sacred open mic with a woman, a local woman um, here in Berkeley. So if you're local, you can reach out to me about that. And it's just, so the, the portal that has been open has just been so incredibly powerful. And last but not least, um, Medusa had recently just been coming up to me again, and I found a book, uh, um, or a book found me, <laughs> and haven't gotten a copy of it yet, but um, Aunt Loot Books, which is an independent publishing um, company that is prioritizes voices of, of the unheard, <laughs> so women of color and queer women. And um, they have a book published called Reclaiming Medusa, which just happened to show up on my Instagram feed. So uh, she, she's making her way back to me. And um, of course, that blog that I had originally read popped up on my phone again. And it had a deeper piece of information for me. And wouldn't you know it, <laughs> there was a part of that blog that I had not paid a lot of attention to um, because I wasn't ready yet, I guess. But um, there was a talk about how Medusa, um, and I'm going to butcher this, so please excuse me. Um, there's a connection to Medusa, and I believe it's a god atlas or the atlas bone, something about the atlas bone, which connects the back of the sp and the the shoulders 
and you know medusa being the snake is that kind of kundalini energy up your spine but it's the fusion of both of those that um bind the masculine and feminine energy which is what i'm so interested about i really believe that if we balance our own inner inner masculine and feminine energy and not 50 50 but what's natural for us and everybody i believe has a unique proportion that our world will really come back into balance and um so there was uh, mention of the Atlas Mountains and how they found, through an excavation, um, this stone piece of full of ammonites. <laughs> and I was blown away because, you know, a bunch of ammonites together looks like Medusa's hair, right? It's just all these, like, spirals. And... Just again, the fact that it said Ammonite um, really was like, wow. And the next day I um, was just really blown away by that experience and then had a profound, again, I, I believe a lot of this stuff is not just in the mystical world. I feel like it, it, it's, it comes up to service in our daily lives. And so I don't know quite what the connection to this is yet, but I feel like it is related I had um, been wanting to book a family vacation and um, there were a lot of things to consider. My husband wanted to visit his family in Peru. My brother was coming in town like during that week of my son's spring break and I, and I was trying to like, and my own needs, like what I want, the experience I wanted to have and I was trying to juggle everyone's desires and needs and all the things that I want to do, which I think is very much an art of a woman. She takes into consideration everything. And I had <coughs> sat with the inquiry of what would be the ideal, excuse me, what would be the ideal and what's most in alignment with, um, that would serve and support all of us. And then I had a dream about a jungle and then I didn't quite know what it meant. And then up on my feed showed up, um, something about Belize and I took that as a sign and I looked up to see if my points, um, would bring us to Belize, would cover flights to Belize, and lo and behold, I was able to get three free tickets to Belize on dates that um, are during my son's spring break and that we get back in time to see my brother when he comes in. And so, I mean, just really amazing, and I was just so flabbergasted how things worked out, and I noticed that the next day, I kind of had fear come up and I was waiting for like kind of the shoe to drop like wow this is so perfect and then I was like looking for problems like well my will we have any issues with school absences and you know will this interfere with my next um, offering with my business partner you know just all that mind chatter starts to come in and then while I was going to the gym with my son I was like I need to move my energy going to the gym with my son we were running late which is again one of my pet peeves something that I'm really working on but really also in the space of trusting divine orchestration. Like really, I'm really working with time as well. And the lesson, the message that I keep getting is there is a divine orchestration and that if I really surrender to divine timing and let go of any attachment of how things should unfold, it happens in the most magical ways. And so even running late to the gym and my son wanting chips from the cafeteria 
I walk in and a woman is wearing a t-shirt that says, we're all pretend monsters fighting other pretend monsters. I mean, seriously, couldn't make this up. And just like that, it snapped me out of my mind chatter of looking for problems um, because I couldn't receive the goodness of how things had turned out. Where every all, all, everything was being, all my desires were being met, doing what I wanted to do, and also nourishing and accommodating my family as well. And so, last but not least, the last little kind of fun um, unfolding of this Medusa reunion <laughs> that I'm experiencing is that my family and I went for a hike on Sunday, and we went to this beautiful kind of um, shoreline. Um, space where it used to be, um, they used to, I don't know, it was a kind of, I don't want to say landfill, but they, I can't think of the right word, but where a lots of, um, scrap metal and concrete, um, were thrown over, thrown over into this space when they were rebuilding the city and a bunch of artists and homeless people came and used that junk and created art and beauty out of it. I will post some pictures on my Instagram of all of the stuff that I'm sharing with you. Um, so you can visit Sacred Swetha uh, on Instagram or Dr. Swetha Soul Stories on Facebook. And you could see some of the pictures of everything that I'm sharing. But they created, they took the stone and they made labyrinths and they took um, the wires and created these just amazing sculptures. And actually one of the sculptures looks like Medusa. So I will post that for you guys. But um, the, on that hike, I don't know how, but my son wanted to like eat sour grass and he picked up one of the sour grass flowers and somehow I got drawn to this just like needle in a haystack, literally needle in a haystack um, area of this huge, you know, kind of forest or short, you know, whatever you want to call it. And I found like a bunch of snail shells. <laughs> I'm telling you, I cannot make this stuff up. I'm going to post the pictures on my Instagram. And again, that's Sacred Sweta, S-W-E-T-A, um, or Dr. Sweta Soul Stories on Facebook. But check it out. And um, if you have any insights or anything you want to share or anything that's come up for you as I've been talking about all of this, I would love to hear. I mean, whether it's connections with Medusa yourself or kind of the Ammonite or the snail or just any, you know, things that have come up for you about sisterhood and about um, jealousy, <laughs> about being a woman that has many faces and trying to really find a way to be able to express and hold all of those expressions of being a full feminine. Um, or if you're interested in uh, the six-week journey that my soul sister and I have created about elevating and embodying the full feminine through uh, Kundalini Yoga, I'd be happy to chat with you about any of that stuff. So just get in touch with me. You can um, go to my website at www.drsweta.com and you can fill out a contact form or you know, private message me on Instagram or Facebook and I'd love to hear what you have to share. Thank you for listening. I'm so grateful that I have a place to um, share these fun, mystical connections that 
um, not everybody's <laughs> able to really receive. So if you're somebody that's into this stuff and um, you're able to receive it, like I'd love to connect with you. Have a gorgeous, gorgeous day. Thank <laughs> you.